Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Blogging Theology. Today, I am delighted to talk again to Dr. Abdullah Ali. You are most welcome, sir. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be here. Now, Dr. Abdullah Ali is Professor of Islamic Law and the Prophetic Tradition at the famous Zaytuna College in Berkeley, California. Now, in the light of the recent leak indicating the U.S. Supreme Court is ready to overturn the Roe versus Wade ruling, this is the constitutional right to an abortion, it might be of great benefit to reiterate the orthodox Sunni position on the circumstances of the permissibility and impermissibility of abortion. As an expert on Islamic law, Dr. Abdullah Ali has kindly agreed today to explain Islam's quite nuanced stance on abortion. So thank you, sir. And over to you. All right. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, this uh, this issue of abortion, as we know, is a highly um, controversial and toxic um, uh, subject that uh, we see is highly polarizing, in particular in the Western world, mm. where we see generally sort of two camps. Uh, of course, you, you speak them as the right and the left, uh, or the sort of the religious right as opposed to the um, secular left, uh, whereas um, the right generally has this position that uh, abortion should be outlawed, uh, should be illegal, or at least it should be um, limited uh, to, to um, some very um, particular cases, you know, only allowed in very extreme cases, mm-hmm. which actually used to be in the U.S. the same position to an extent uh, that the Democrats used to take or the, those on the left, the progressives would take uh, some years ago. Um um, but uh, things have um, gotten extremely out of hand, as we can see. Uh, we see certain states completely outlaw all abortions, um, like Alabama, for instance. You know, they have states like New York, which actually permits abortion even up to uh, after birth or what we call post birth abortions, which is technically not an abortion, but you know, Islamic law would clearly consider that to be murder. Uh, but uh, you see uh, this uh, sort of political reaction and Muslims, uh, unfortunately, uh, continue to sort of tag along with um, largely the, the left, you know, but sometimes we do see uh, some echoes of that on the right as well, right, from Muslims. And so we do know that uh, in Islamic law, uh, that the vast majority of the Muslim scholars uh, of the view that Abortion is unlawful uh, unless under extreme circumstances. And one circumstance which is often spoken about is when the mother's life is being placed at risk um, due to, of course, the advice of doctors. They say that if this woman gives birth to the child, then she's going to lose her life. And this is not only um, um, something dominant in the Sunni tradition. You also see this uh, among the 12 Shiites. 
um, the Zaydi Shiites you see it among the Ibadis as well, right? You know that uh, they uh, um, and uh, generally the, the scholars uh, are of the view that abortion should only be allowed, if at all, in a situation wherein a uh, woman's life is being put at risk because of pregnancy. Hmm. Uh, now, within our tradition, we do have some diversity of opinion, as we know. There's some minority viewpoints as well, um, allowing for abortion um, uh, during the first 40 days uh, of the pregnancy, um, um, some allowing it um, without condition during the first 120 days of the pregnancy. Uh, but everyone agrees that after 120 days that this is taken of a life and this itself is is murder and it is unlawful, right? You know, so um, there are some scholars who even allow it with respect to, you know, illicit intercourse when it happens, like um, uh, if a woman is guilty of uh, fornication, say, for instance, she's afraid that she's going to be stoned to death, for instance, that she could, you know, there's, you know, minority, extreme minority position that said that she could, uh, she's allowed to actually get an abortion in a situation like that, you know, but, uh, but there's definitely a lot of nuance, right? Yeah. Can I just clarify, what is it about the 120 day red line, so to speak, that you mentioned that's so significant? What what happens at that point? And what, what tradition, what, what scriptural basis is there for this uh, line that one can't cross uh, if one does cross it, then one's committing, in effect, murder or, or killing of an innocent, unborn person. Right. Yeah. This is uh, this particular understanding comes from a famous hadith of the Prophet Muhammad sallam, wherein he mentions that the creation of the human being is being assembled in this mother's womb, um, and during the first forty days. It is in one state, and then the next forty days, another state, and the third, and then the, the third phase of forty days. Uh, and during that third phase, or after the end of that third phase, at the end of one hundred twenty days, we would say, um, the angel comes and breathes the soul into the actual flesh of that particular uh, of the child. Right? At least this is the popular understanding. This has been the orthodox understanding for many, many centuries of Islam. Um, there is, uh, there are other narrations of this hadith, which uh, give the impression. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That, um, that the ensoulment actually happens during the first 40 days, right? Because if you, for instance, look in the Sahih the Muslim, uh, um, one narration mentions that uh, the angel visits uh, during or after 40 days, one says 42 days, one says 45 days, you know, one just says, with, you know, between 50, 40 and 50 days, you do have different narrations, right? You know, and that it can be interpreted as some um, um, contemporary scholars have interpreted that to mean that the uh, insolment happens very early, right? And this itself is consistent with the uh, scientific fact, which has been established uh, today that 
uh, a the heartbeat of that fetus can be detected um, between five and five and a half and six weeks, right? right. Uh, for six weeks is about forty-two days, and one of the hadiths literally says forty-two days. Um, um, you know, but five and a half or six weeks is in that area, in that range, right? So the heartbeat can be detected, right, in that particular uh, during that, that time period. You know, so the one hundred twenty day period it originates from this hadith and the understanding which was taken from scholars historically that that at this point the soul is breathing to the body of the child yeah. uh, or this particular flesh which is growing in the womb. Uh, of the uh, of the the woman's womb, um, um, and then um, we know for certain at that point that this is a living human being, uh, and that and of course God intends for it to come into the world. So the, the crucial thing is whether it is 120 days or uh, the earlier um, the day, but is the ensoulment uh, that, that is the crucial red line. What, what once it beca- at that point it becomes a person, a human being in the full sense, and is protected by Sharia. Before that, whatever stage it is, it's not. It doesn't have that ruah, that spirit from God, uh, given by the angel. Get right. The yeah. This is the headline. Yeah. Right. So yeah, this has been again the popular, the common understanding amongst Muslim jurors uh, for, for for centuries that the the ensoulment happens at 120 days. You know. Uh, however. I think we, we need to keep in mind that that fundamentally um, scholars who held the viewpoint allowing for abortion prior to 120 days or prior to the first 40 days, uh, that every opinion that allows for abortion is based upon the assumption or the presumption that this is not the taking of a, uh, of a life, right? You know, there's, there's an assumption that this particular um, uh, growth is a living thing, right? It doesn't have a soul. That's the assumption. Right. Um, and, and, I, and I do think that's an important point uh, to, to consider in that scholars in that time and for much of Muslim history did not have the tools we have today to know for certainty whether or not there's a living thing inside mm. of this woman, a, a different organism altogether, right, inside of this woman. Uh, and so I do think that there's good reason to believe that if, if they did have the tools today, then their judgments would have been different because um, every, although they, they agree that uh, it is murder when it happens after 120 days, they also generally have the viewpoint that um, it is not permissible to meddle with the process, right? Prior to that, right? You know, so 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 you, you again, you do have like perhaps one of the most uh, liberal um, schools on the subject of 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 abortion will be the Hanafi school, at least mm-hmm. the uh, traditional uh, positions, the three fundamental positions in the Hanafi school uh, historically. One being that you know, permissible um, without condition, one permissible with condition. Um, and I, forget, I can't remember exactly the third, third opinion, but at any rate, modern Hanafis, contemporary Hanafis actually are much stricter 
with, when it comes to the issue of the stance with regard to abortion, that generally scholars, the Hanafi scholars today, do not allow abortion absolutely. They allow it. In other words, you have to have a reason. You have to have a justification. Right. Say, for instance, right. if you discover that the child may have some extreme birth defects, for instance, um, you have scholars saying, okay, well, in a situation like that, sure, you can abort the child, right? Uh, but the schools overall, their position is that uh, that you're not allowed to meddle with the process from the moment from the from the from from inception until birth. That to interfere with the process once it has begun is sinful, right? And right. depending on um, how far within the pregnancy, the the further you get into the present the, the, the pregnancy, the more sinful the act of abortion be, be, uh, becomes, right? right. So, so that's, that, that, that we shouldn't ignore that, right? You know, I think there's a tendency of Muslims to only look at lawful or unlawful, right? You know, we become legalistic or, you know, we conveniently become legalistic at times, mm-hmm. right? And other times you want to be, we're talking about morality, what's moral, what's immoral, but then it's like we get conveniently legalistic when it relates to mm-hmm. uh uh, politics, right? You know, so our yeah. uh, position that supports the political party that we stand uh, behind, we say, okay, well, there's an, a position, a, an opinion that exists that says this is permissible, therefore it shouldn't be a problem because it's permissible, right? You know, but Islam permits a lot of things and permitting something, just because something is permitted doesn't mean that you should do it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I do think that there is a major disconnect with our community when it comes to, I guess you would say, um, the metaphysics uh, involved or the, uh, the, um, the deeper, deeper moral uh, implications of... On, on that point, if, if I may just... Uh, and I'm not going to mention names here. It's not an ad hominem thing at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I have here on my iPhone some tweets... Um, from very prominent American Muslim political yeah. leaders. Um, and I'm not going to mention their names because that would be ad hominem, and that's not the point. Um, mm-hmm. You have come out very strongly in the last few days um, um, defending Roe versus Wade and defending a woman's right to choose uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, articulating the rhetoric that we've come, to, come accustomed from the political left in America about mm-hmm. this whole subject. So it's a woman's body. She owns her body. It's her right to choose what she does with her body. And the courts and the law, the Supreme Court, should not be in any way threatening that. Now, I mention all this because what you just said, the metaphysics of this, um, that Islamically, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, we don't own our bodies, absolutely. Everything, including the universe itself, is owned by God. He is the creator and sustainer of all things. So we don't have this absolute right anyway, whatever we're talking about, never mind about abortion. Uh, and, and, um, and as you say, that the law doesn't, it's not the end of the conversation. There's the moral, there's the ethical framework as well. And, and that just seems to be missing, uh, uh, unless I misunderstood it, from a, lot, a, a considerable part of the American Muslim public discourse from the Democrat-leaning leaders that I could mention their names, but I'm not going to mention their names. And I, I find that perplexing. Um, actually, um, I don't quite understand why that should be the case. Of, of all the Abrahamic communities, the Muslims, in, in my experience, tend to be the least affected by the zeitgeist. Perhaps I'm naive in that respect compared to, say, other groups. Uh, but nevertheless, we do have these 
uh, very left-wing, outspoken Muslim leaders defending to the hilt a woman's right to do what she wants to do with her body. And I, I find that perplexing. Right. Well, I think that there are multiple factors that um, has resulted in this type of leadership or poor leadership that we have. And of course, 9-11 was one of them that, you know, that the, uh, the U.S. Um, government, the media apparatus, uh, they really um, did a major job on Muslim, the Muslim psyche um, and making Muslims feel guilty about anything that seems to be uh, anti-secular, right? And anything opposed to secularism, a secular type of society or what we would call democracy, et cetera, right? Um, and, um, and that's to add on top of the fact that you have many of the people in these leadership positions come from cultures which have been uh, all the formal colonial sort of um, uh, um, subjects of, of Western, um, Western countries as well, right? You know, so there's already a sense of, of, uh, of, of, of a defeatism or a, a low self-esteem or inferiority complex that, that exists as well. Then we add on top of this, uh, the fact that most of those people in the public sphere who actually are represented or identified as representatives of the Muslim community, that they themselves are not properly educated Islamically, right? In Islamic law or theology. Um, and then those who actually may have some education uh, Islamically or, or, or theologically, that they lack an understanding of, of philosophy and metaphysics. Right? You know, and I think that this itself is a, uh, in some ways, is uh, the the natural result of Sunnism's historic um, difficult relationality and with philosophy, right? You know, uh, and, and fundamentally, what it seems I would say has happened is that uh, individuals who are the least prepared and least qualified to be in leadership positions are in leadership positions, right? Mm -hmm. And um, um, while sincere, uh, uh, many of them, they're, they don't, they're not as critical as they need to be uh, of the, um, the, the, the people and the philosophies that they have embraced, um, knowingly or unknowingly. You know, most, I would think that most of them have unknowingly embraced a lot of postmodernist type of thinking on things, and uh, and it becomes a, a lot of tribalism as well, right, which we see has been promoted today. So, um, and the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi told us about this, that a time would come where the, uh, the ulama, or the death or the seizing of the ulama, right, they would be seized, and their lives would be taken, or they would sort of perhaps even be um, ignored, right? And then people would take ignorant people as their leaders, and they would give fatwa, and they will give fatwa without knowledge, and they will go astray and leave others astray, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you probably saw the, uh, it's a, a, a post that I, uh, I did earlier, or maybe last night, I think it was, where I talked about the the easiest way to know someone doesn't know the Sharia, you know, and in this, and you know that usually when you find people saying things like, okay, well, the Sharia has nothing to do with this. The Sharia has nothing to do with the abortion, the abortion debate, right? And um, and I've seen a number of these people um, do these type of posts, and that's really what this, that post originates from, right? And I, and I say, well, nothing, no other way to show your ignorance 
no better way to show how ignorant you are of the Sharia to make such a claim. You know, the Sharia has something to do with everything. The Sharia has something to say about every uh, act that the human being does, right? And um, an abortion happens to be one of those things. So the Sharia does play a part, right, in this, you know, and there's no way that you can um, disassociate the Sharia from anything that human, be- human beings are involved in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned the the philosophical and metaphysical context. So could you just flesh that out a bit more? What what is okay? We got the legal situation. Uh, we're pretty clear on that. Uh, Roe versus Wade being challenged, maybe overturned. It'll go back to the states, to the individual states, to decide whether or not abortion should be admitted. But Islamically, there's much more to it than this. We're looking at a philosophical, metaphysical understanding. Could you perhaps expand on that a bit? Right. I think that the, the point where we, I would start is understanding that the human being is a creature of value in the sight of God. Right. First and foremost, that, that we mean something. Right. And the proponents of abortion and uh, population reduction, you know, that they have a different perspective about the human being. For some reason, they seem to believe that the human being is a cancer. The human being is harmful to the earth, right? And the earth could use a far, uh, you know, fewer, uh, uh, you know, a number of us, right? And so whatever means is going to lead to that, you know, then they embrace it, right? And they promote it, right? But for Muslims, uh, the human being is special. The human being, to God, the human being is special. Um, um, the very fact that God ordered uh, the angels to prostrate to Adam, alayhi salam, you know, is one of the greatest proofs yeah. of that. Right, that that God intend for the human being to um, uh, uh, to manage the earth, uh, to for the human being to cultivate the earth, uh, for the human being to keep balance in the earth. And the human being is the only one who is capable of doing those things. The only one with the concern for doing those type of things. Right, and and so when you take a human life, you're actually um, you're actually destroying. Um, a potential of a good doer or the potential of uh, something which God has pushed here to um, create balance in the earth, right? You know, to remove suffering, et cetera, right? You know, and so I think that this is the higher um, or the aspect of metaphysics, I think this is often missed, you know, there's a reason that after idolatry or associating partners with God, that Imam Ghazali says that the the next most uh, serious crime that a person could commit would be to take a human life, right? right. So, so, so when we look at the maqasid or the, the objectives of sharia, um, that uh, the preservation of religion uh, comes um, first uh, according to the majority, but then that's followed by the preservation of bodily integrity, which includes the preservation of life, right? So, uh, but the Sharia also, according to the teachings of our legal system as well, that if there's a clash between the interests of pre- preserving religion and the interests of preserving life, then life is given preference over the preservation of religion, right? So, 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 so in other words, these are things that are easy to find realistically uh, in our tradition. The Quran goes on and talks about the children of Israel and that because of uh, of, of Cain and Abel and one brother killing the other, that it was because of it that God had ordained upon the children of Israel that any any person who takes a life before other than uh, uh, murder or for 
spreading corruption on the earth, then it is as if that person has killed all of humanity. Mm. Uh, and whoever gives life to uh, a single soul then or say spares a single life, it is as if that individual is giving uh, uh, life to all humanity, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this is that metaphysical framework that is missing in these conversations. And so the question of, okay, is this uh, a child? Am I taking the life of a child, right? When, when I do this, right? You see, and I think that if we even leave aside the theological and the legal um, um, opinions, right, on, uh, on the question of, of, of whether or not abortion uh, should be allowed or not, that if we look at this scientifically, right, you know, if we look at this objectively, right, you know, in, in a way that uh, if I wanted to, if, if, I, if, I, if, I have, if I ask you a question like, what direction is Mecca from your current location, you know, you're able to, I, to tell me, okay, well, it's in this general direction, right? You're able to do that, perhaps even, even accurately, you can say, you know, specifically in this direction, you know, a straight line here, you will hit the Kaaba. You might be able to do that as well, right? But that is a question of fact, not a question of FIP or jurisprudence, right? That is really a, a question of fact, right? Right. And in the same way, when we start talking about these issues, the, the fundamental question that we need to be asking is, uh, uh, is when a woman uh, or a doctor aborts a child uh, or aborts a fetus, Am I actually taking a life, right? You know, and we can objectively determine that to be true or false, right? If we consider the fact that at about five and a half or six weeks, they, there's a heartbeat, right? Right, and so as long as we um, consider the heartbeat to be the greatest sign that an individual is alive, mm. right? Then um, why would we not say that this is the taking of a life, even if it's you know, prior to 120 days or 40 days, et cetera, right? So, so that's, that's, that's really, I think, uh, an important aspect of this debate, which has been overlooked because, um, uh, again, a lot of it is because um, I think that we don't have the right leaders, the like public representatives, mm-hmm. you know, and they themselves are not serving the community. They're serving political parties. Wow, that's quite extraordinary. Um, well, one of the other things that the, the kind of the background the, the, to, to all of this is this important uh, idea or concept of autonomy, that we as individuals have autonomy. Uh, and, and this is a fundamental right of our existence. Now, this sits <laughs> with an Islamic conception of the, uh, our existence and our relationship vis-a-vis God. What would be an Islamic understanding of us uh, as human beings? Uh, it, presumably, it's not a simple endorsement of this radical idea of individual autonomy, which seems so prevalent. It is part of the, the air we breathe in the West, although it wasn't always so. It wasn't always believed to be like right. that. Of course, it's a recent, historical, relatively geographically limited conception, which has become much more global because of the uh, the cultural economic hegemony of certain areas of the world. But, uh, but nevertheless, it, it does seem to be a, a, a philosophical underpinning of this, is, uh, that the person has autonomy and rights. But, but uh, right. the Islamic conception is different, isn't it? Isn't it? Right, yeah, it is. And I think that the, the, this idea that um, freedom or autonomy is the supreme or the penultimate cultural value, right, is what undergirds 
many of these conversations uh, um, that we find ourselves involved in. Well, at least it used to be, you know, we used to talk a lot about, you know, of course, freedom. So for instance, when you think about uh, um, lesbians and gays, when I was growing up, um, the people who are gay, lesbian, they didn't argue that, okay, I was born this way. They would say, well, no, this, I just have to, I, I can do whatever I want. Right? I have the freedom and autonomy to do whatever I want. Whereas today things have changed where people are now arguing that, okay, well, this is something biological, right? You know, and then we sort of, we wax and wane, we sort of shift back and forth yeah. and evaluate about a lot of these issues, you know? And so, so we start talking about, okay, well, how important is freedom or autonomy, right? You know, and so uh, even Christians uh, historically, uh, made a distinction between what they called the freedom for excellence and the freedom uh, for indifference, right? Right now, of course, God gives us the freedom to show indifference to his commandments, right? Mm-hmm. right? And of course, that's one of the things that makes the human being great, that the human being has this freedom. Uh, and you couldn't really be a moral uh, agent, right, without having autonomy, right, to do or not do. In other words, you choose to obey God, right, that you submit to God, right? That's you're a Muslim, you're Islam is sub- submission, right? So you choose to obey God's commandments, right? But you can also choose to do the opposite. And God allows you to, to do that, right? But he's not pleased with it, right? He's not pleased with it, right? So, um, and uh, so Islam is concerned with the, the overall well-being of society, Right. Worldwide. Right. You see. So for that reason, any freedom that exists should exist in order to make society better. It should be exist in order to make an individual uh, make it possible for a person to excel, to become a better individual, to grow into uh, the their human, uh, their humanity or to complete their humanity. That that's fundamentally uh, what the Islamic ideas about freedom are. You know, so in other words, we acknowledge there is right a, a freedom to act indifferently to God's commands. However, um, God wants us to choose His way, right? And when we don't choose God's way, then we're going to see the type of chaos that we see. And, and so, so it's really interesting too that when we look at who really wants an abortion, why are they so passionate about it? Hmm. Um, on one hand, you have it uh, that creates young people. Uh, some of them are very young people. Some of them are, you know, still at birthing age uh, or, or people who don't want to live a righteous life. They want to sleep around with whoever they want to. Um, they want to you know, like hook up culture, as we call it. You have many people who do that. You know, and then sometimes it happens that, you know, some people may be married. They may, may, may want to do it. They may have, have a reason to do it as well. But generally, that's, re- that's what we're talking about. People would say, hey, listen, you know, if we are not allowed to get an abortion, which, you know, then we we won't be able to hook up the way that we typically do. But, well, it's not completely true because there are other ways to ensure that you don't get pregnant. Right. But um, but again, we're talking about individuals who um, who embrace what we would call indecent and decadent culture, right? You know, that they they themselves want that. But then on the other hand, you have certain people who are actually, and it's really interesting seeing this, like people who are in advanced old age, right? You know, there are some of them like women who are, you know, postmenopausal, and then there are men as well who, you know, um, um, you know, who you would you would imagine that they're not interested in having children at their age. Uh, who actually are very passionate about this issue, right? You know, wh- to me, I'm saying, well, why, why do they want it so much, right? Yeah, why, yeah. why are you yeah, so much in favor of this? Right? Yeah. 
So, so what's the reason? So, what, what, why, why would someone sort of answer? What, what is the reason? Are they just uh, following the the the, 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 the left wing hobby horse, or are they just, you're suggesting they have uh, own selfish reasons for wanting to? Yeah, yeah. I think I think part of it is is again uh, just is following uh, that 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 leftist. Um, you know, what type of horse you said that was? That's the right expression. But, you know, just, just following the, you know, the, the fashionable cause of the moment. You know? right, right. No, I understand what you meant by, you know, right. but my, first time hearing the, the, the expression. So <laughs> okay. learn, learn new things. No, but but basically, yeah, I think that for many of them, that is the case to say, hey, well, this is my party. This is the, the one of the issues that my party um, champions. Uh, but I do think that there's some people who have a much more sinister um, intention, you know, and in, in trying to promote this type, this type of um, type of um, uh, approach to uh, human existence, right? Or rather, uh, they want to um, reduce population. I do think that this is uh, there are some people who who are uh, interested in reducing population in, in in any way that they can, and I do that. Abortion is one way to do that, but you also do that through promoting. Um, lesbian homosexual culture by discouraging you know um, people of the opposite sex to, uh, from um, cohabiting with one another and um, reproducing. Yeah. Uh, and we also do it by uh, reducing the uh, or changing, um, um, causing confusion, gender confusion, and in, in society. And there are other ways as well, of course, warfare, you know, disease, things like that. You know, so, so the whole complex so network different. of reasons and interests and motivations and people groups yeah. uh, kind of all kind of together pushing uh, an agenda, which is liberalization uh, of abortion. Yeah. One thing I just want to ask about though, because it's not often uh, covered anymore is the issue of contraception, because we know in the, in the Roman Catholic church, artificial is often misunderstood. People think the Catholic church is against contraception. It's not <laughs> against artificial contraception. Uh, it, it believes in the regulation of births through a certain, I think Billings method, you know, where you, you, you know, you regulate, um, yeah. uh, uh, intercourse so that it doesn't result in children, but is artificial mm-hmm. contraception that is uh, a mortal right. sin if engaged in with knowledge and you know for consent and so on. But um, mm-hmm. what is the traditional Sunni Muslim view on artificial or contraception? Full stop. Well, the earliest form of contraception that we know of is what we call um, what is called cordis interruptus, right? You know, and um, uh, yeah, we, I think that our audience said they they would understand you know what was meant by that. Cordis interruptus was something which was practiced, you know, throughout human history. Um, um, excuse me, men uh, often practiced it during the time of the Prophet Muhammad. Upon him with respect to uh, slave uh, slaves that they or slave women that they owned. Um, and the prophet did not condemn it, right? You know, so for that reason, scholars say, okay, well, you know, that this itself, uh, what some call uh, the nasal uh, or sort of uh, the regulation of, of one's uh, offspring, right? Or the number of one's offspring yeah. is uh, something permissible to do, right? Yeah. Uh, so, well, with regard to, of course, artificial or uh, inter- uh, contraception or like pills. Yeah, because today we've got, oh. we've, got, we've got our condoms, we've got artificial contraception, we've got a whole range of things rather than coitus interruptus. Uh, right, right, right. Uh, right. How right. Does so condoms are yeah, also, no one has any, uh, no, no scholar raising any objections to, to condoms. Right. Um, uh, most scholars, uh, most schools allow for 
birth control pills, right? Yeah. Um, um, the Malikis are a little bit stricter on on the, on, the, on this particular uh, matter, this issue, and fundamentally, the, the 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 idea is that if the particular type of contraception is going to dislodge the sperm from the uh, the the woman's womb. Right then, it seemed to be impermissible, right, to utilize it. Right? But what some of the pills, at least my understanding of the pills, the way they worked, is that they create a type of protective barrier between the uh, the eggs and the the sperm itself, right? You know, so it's more so preventing the uh, the, the sperm from from reaching um, the eggs to fertilize them, right? So, so there shouldn't be a good reason to be strongly opposed to them. However, I do think that. Uh, uh, if Muslims, um, also with regard to birth control pills, Muslims shouldn't take a very uh, nonchalant, nonchalant attitude about those either, because there are certain dangers that you know that women are exposed to as well, right? Is in the use of contraception and pills in particular, right? You know that often women they develop things like blood clots, and you know and that can put their lives in danger, you know. So it's uh, you know. So in other words, you know, I mean, Islam. Uh, there's not much enough diversity of legal opinion to accommodate um, the oral contraception um, with the condition that those particular items are not intended. Like, for instance, the day after pill pill, you know, for instance, which is somewhat like, you know, abortion on demand, at least in my understanding of it, you know, is that, well, again, the the the, uh, you know, the sperm the spermazoda has, has actually um it introduce itself into the womb and conception now, taken place, right. which is why the Catholic right. Church is uh, very much uh, against that because it's not just right. Uh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, yeah. So, so just generally the way that, that that's operating, you know. But but again, returning to the question of abortion um, and whether or not one is actually harming a living thing, right? Mm. Um, and even if one is not harming the living thing, you know, that one is interrupting a process that was started by God, right? Mm-hmm. And God, it, it, when that process begins, is a clear indication that God intends for that particular organism to come into full um, yeah. fruition and to enter into this world, you know, but we interrupt that process and God is the only one with the uh, right to take life, right? Because mm-hmm. God gives life, he's a mohi. And he's at Mumit. He's the one who takes life. The human being is not Mumit. We are not one who is uh, can take life. And any time the human being takes life, it's only because God has authorized it, right? Right. You know. So we do have those examples, right, in our tradition, where God has authorized taking taking of life, right? So so that's not just simply an independent human decision, right? So we have to have this understanding that you know that God is the one who gives life, and the God is one who brings death. Um, and the human being has no right to do so unless God has given authorization to do to do I mean, it. This theological or theocentric understanding is so fundamental and is so absent from um, mm. the, the the public discourse, and yet it's so fundamental. And it's just, uh, and yet it used to be the understanding, even in Britain and and America, in fact, probably everywhere until relatively recently in history, uh, when suddenly this uh, very militant, secular, non-theistic. Uh, perspective just took over with all the uh, results we can see in our social fabric uh, today. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, um, I, 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 well, perhaps we'll, we'll perhaps draw it to a close there. Um, 
Thank you very much. I mean, uh, did you want to say anything in conclusion, by the way, on, on any of these subjects before we perhaps draw to, to a close? No, again, it just I would just re- reiterate the the understanding that the human being means something, right? You know, that we're living in a time uh, where the human being is being told over and over and over in so many different ways that you mean nothing, you are insignificant. Uh, as a matter of fact, you are harmful, right? And uh, because of your harm to the environment, your harm to the earth, that, um, you know, you don't really deserve to, to exist. You're, 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 you're a harm to other species uh, of animals, right? You know, who've you destroyed, that your, your life is no more valuable than theirs, right? And so you should not have the right to destroy their lives in order to maintain your own, right? Uh, rather, the problem that we have is that we have too many people, right? And people have wreaked havoc on this planet, and uh, 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 even though the human being is insignificant. Right? But again, God believes that we're significant. The Quran reinforces this. Uh, and then even the very fact that, you know, and, and this is probably uh, sound a little bit controversial, you know, the very fact that, you know, we, many people believe in aliens, we still haven't discovered any, right? Right. Speak strongly about just how special the human being is, right? Mm. Right. You know, so, because people can, we can theorize, hypothesize all we want, right? You know, but if you're a scientist, right, a scientist can't believe in the existence of other life without evidence of other life existing, you know, but we do and in this vast universe, of course, perhaps there's somewhere in the universe. I think it's a reasonable assumption that there are other creatures throughout the universe. You know, however, it's possible that they are not at the same time. Right. You know, so the human being is very special. Right. And uh, uh, God has put us here to redeem ourselves, put us here to, um, to uh, live out our full potential. And when we are taking one another's lives, when we abandon virtue, uh, when we are not trying to pursue a life that is fulfilling and happy, uh, but in a positive way, which is contributing to the betterment of society, then we are, um, we are not uh, living um, for the purpose uh, we're not living the purpose for which we were created, right? You know, and at least this is what we believe as Muslims. And, um, and so abortion um, is itself a problem, right? Even though we do find those exceptions that certain scholars mentioned uh, are situations which abortion would be allowed. Mm. But at the same time, generally our scholars of the view that even if you don't believe that this is an actually ensouled organism, right, then it is not possible, not permissible to interfere with the process once it has begun, right? To interfere with that process is sinful. And the later in the process you interfere and intervene, the more uh, your sin increases, right? So it is a an important issue. It's not something we can just simply look at it as black or white or uh, or just this is a, uh, some say it's permissible, therefore we can do it. And it's not a big deal. Yes, it is a big deal that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who has the right to give life and give death and not us. Mm, Well, that's amazing. People sometimes say, well, what what has Islam got to offer the West? So it's not a question, it's a rhetorical statement. What what has Mm -hmm. Islam got to offer, offer the West? And I think what you have said um, is part of a, a very significant, substantial answer. It offers a nuanced, holistic, 
life-affirming ethic, uh, mm-hmm. which is not um, just centered on humanity. It's theocentric. So it, mm-hmm. it's aware of its uh, uh, situation within the great scheme of things um, uh, that cares for the most vulnerable people in our society, which are often the unborn, of course, not just the poor, the other poor, the mar- marginalized, but the, 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 the human beings in the womb who are uh, probably the, one of the most vulnerable uh, people on earth in terms of vulnerable to abortion. So um, Islam has a great deal. And, and this is not a novelty to the West. The, the West also had these many of these values anyway in the past, sadly has abandoned them with great um, gusto and militancy these days. So right. Islam perhaps can uh, function as a reminder of these profound truths that were European or Western truths once upon a time. Um, but are actually also universal values. Uh, and so I, I think um, that uh, this whole subject of abortion has thrown this uh, into relief, that this holistic, life-affirming um, uh, vision of our, our, speech, our species and the, the importance of us as individuals uh, is, is a great gift that the West, sorry, that Islam can give to the West uh, yes, in the future. So. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you uh, very much, uh, Dr. Abdullah Ali, for your precious time, uh, uh, as always. And um, I- I'm sure um, viewers will, will have benefited enormously from your knowledge and your wisdoms and your scholarly expertise. So thank you so much, sir. Michelle, thank you. Appreciate it. Until next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.